0: Hello there. This is the Not The Top 20 podcast, the Monday pod, sponsored by Betfair, where me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick, talk all things EFL. Now, if you wouldn't mind just keeping your voice down. How are you doing, George? I feel great. Why do you ask? Well, it was someone's stag do over the weekend. It was. It was mine. It was. We've both had one in the last six months. Yeah. Yes, correct. I had a great time on your stag do. I was there. Um, which was which was very kind of you to invite me. A lot of people who listen to the pod have expressed some dismay at you not being my best man, but you weren't mine. I wasn't yours. <laughs> Decision fully taken out of my hands there by George uh, a couple of years ago, and that's fine. Yes. Also, I haven't told you
1: this until just now, but there was quite a funny moment last week where I was on a horse racing podcast that I host, mm-hmm. uh, and we were previewing newbie races. And I spent the whole podcast laughing and joking with the guests about the fact that I was going on a stag to Newbury, and then realised after it had gone out, that I'd just announced where the stag was, and you didn't know anything.
0: So you had to be very confident that I don't listen to any of the other work that you do, and you were spot on. I texted immediately my friend, your friend, George, not, not myself,
1: and said what had happened, and he was like, has he ever listened to that podcast before? And I said, no, and
0: he was like, I think it will be all right then. Wow. That's absolutely amazing. And we didn't go to the what you called the Northern Hebrides <laughs> uh, on the betting show. Uh, but we did have an unbelievable weekend, quite simply the greatest weekend of my life. And you played a very important role in that. You're also playing quite an important role today because out the kindness of your heart, you've come round to my flat and you've, you've kept things very relaxed. You said, let's just watch Quest together because we both know we weren't that across it on Saturday. We knew the scores. While we were at Newbury Races, we even watched the last... Literally and metaphorically. Yeah, we weren't that across it. It'd be lying to say that we'd bring you your normal analysis and coverage. Um, But yes, for those who are interested, we had a bit of stag time in London. We had a bit of stag time at Newbury Races. We had a fabulous night in the Slug and Lettuce in Newbury and a bit of golf on Sunday as well. So amazing weekend. Thank you so much to everyone who tweeted me, messaged on the NTT20 squad, wishing me well. Uh, I'm pleased to say nothing went wrong. and We're both in one piece and can talk to you about EFL football, which is what we love to do. I don't think we've missed a Monday pod for about three years now, and and this certainly wasn't going to be the excuse to miss one. One last thing on this. For years, and I have known George for a long time, I have considered him to be and have criticised him quite openly for being incredibly bad on a hangover and a bit of a burden after a big weekend, which isn't always ideal when you're doing a podcast on a Monday. But it's time to change the narrative, George Ellick, because you are fresh as a daisy. And the last few years, you've massively turned this around. And I want to know, just in case there's anyone listening to this pod who might struggle with hangovers... Has it been a change of mindset? Has it been a change of, of intake? What's the story here? Because it's been an amazing turnaround. And just what we needed as you ease towards your 30s and into them.
1: Towards my 30s? I'm, I'm 31 years old. Yeah. So I, um, I don't know. Uh, I went to bed at 8.45 last night. So <laughs> that
0: might have something to do with it. A big weekend in the EFL. We know everything about it. And we're going to talk you through it now. We'll start in the championship, George. Pretty straightforward to begin. Uh, We're going to ease into it by talking about the top two in the championship who look pretty settled as the championship's top two. I think it's fair to say. Fulham went to QPR in in a West London derby uh, and left two nil winners with two goals from a new name actually to us, Aleksandar Mitrovic, who's their Serbian striker, who scored his and I still feel like I'm talking about. Like a video game, when I say this out loud, his 36th and 37th league goals of the season for Fulham at QPR. Any surprises here? Anything particularly of note?
1: Madeira numbers. Um, <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I mean, it was it was a regulation away win. You know that this is a a rivalry between these two sides. It's a West London derby, um, but two teams who had had both had such great campaigns up until. Kind of late January time, where I think at one point we had Fulham, who were of course top, and QPR who were third. Um, but fast forward a few weeks, and Fulham now obviously still top, eight points clear of Bournemouth in second, fourteen points clear of Huddersfield in third, um, and with not very many points left to play for, champions elect, uh, and will be you know, a team we're not talking about next season. I'm pretty confident in saying, unlike QPR, who've just gone on this this horrible run of form that's seen them drop down to ninth and. This game, um, as far as I can tell, went by the went by the form book, where not only were Fulham pretty cosy in terms of, of the way that they won the game, um, but it was completely deserved. Mitrovic with a, a penalty and an open play goal, QPR creating very little at all. Um, I
0: think they were a bit down about what looked like quite a harsh... Uh, award of the penalty after a cross hit the elbow of uh, yeah. of Lee Wallace, and I don't think there was necessarily any strong suggestion from the kind of upset QPR fans that they were robbed of of points necessarily, but robbed of having only one goal to make up in case they had a late flurry, which they they were then unable to have, being two goals down. Yeah,
1: I, I don't think it's a, a clear error. Um, I, I I don't think it's necessarily definitely a penalty either. Um, I think if we had. And this is not a call for it. I think if we had um, VAR, I, I don't think it's the kind of decision we'd have seen being overturned because it, it does strike his arm, even if it is. And his arm is is, is raised a kind of waist height, I guess. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly irrelevant. QPR season isn't going to be defined by that moment. For Fulham, um, they were pretty cosy winners uh, anyway. And um, yeah, it just, for QPR now, they've got to work out what the best way for them to try and, turn the form around and force their way back into the playoffs
0: is because um, things have, have unraveled very, very quickly. Some lovely football in the build-up to the first goal. Uh, it's something that we come to expect from Marco Silva's Fulham and it's something that we've seen... I was going to say from the first day of the season, but actually I seem to remember them being a little off colour uh, in that one-all draw against Middlesbrough. From the second day of the season, we've seen them play some some brilliant stuff. So hard to stop when they're in full flow, and we saw that in the first goal here. Uh, when you've got the flying wingbacks, Williams and Bryan in this case, uh, when you've got Wilson and Deckard over-Reed playing as the, the wide men in a 4-2-3-1, but um, both combining uh, narrowly and coming into the half spaces and also combining well with the, with the full-backs when they overlap. Metro in the middle, as good as it's ever been at this level. Um, and then in the, in the central areas, you have. Kearney probing you have Reed sitting deep and and, uh, and keeping it tidy and, and guarding against the counter-attack and then you have the starlet Fabio Carvalho who was uh, heavily involved with the cross for Mitrovic for the first and looked very lively from the highlights that we saw as well so uh, another player that I don't expect to be playing any second tier football at any level until he's at least 35 mm-hmm. uh, at which point he might just decide to uh, put his feet up after a career well done long way to go of course um, but a player that we've loved this season another excellent away day for the Fulham fans Uh, We don't want to be glossing over Fulham at this time because they're incredibly impressive, to my eyes, bulletproof champions and and worthy of being that. It's just that there's so much else to talk about, which is perhaps a little more newsworthy and a little more contentious and uh, results that are a little more significant when it comes to what might happen from now to the end of the season. Bournemouth 3, Bristol City 2. uh, A continuation of a theme, really, for Bournemouth. Winning games, continuing to win games. Not always looking completely comfortable in doing so, uh, but against a a Bristol City side who have been generous defensively, I think it's fair to say, all season. Uh, Bournemouth were able to help themselves to to three goals to turn around an early uh, deficit here. Solanke notching. Lewis Cook from range. Both of us were groaning a little bit, some of the goalkeeping we saw in this game, both for, from Travers for the first goal for Bristol City and then from Bentley, certainly maybe for the first two Bournemouth goals. And then Sir Ricky of Dembele danced through for a third, which was very Dembele and very, very pleasant indeed. Bournemouth, six points clear of third place, three games in hand. And as we keep saying, it would take something pretty sensational for them not to finish in the top two. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is probably a better looking at the
1: numbers, a better performance from Bournemouth than what we've seen uh, in other marginal victories, um, probably helped by the fact they went 1-0 down. You know, they won the shot count 25-6. Uh, the, I think the XG was 3.884 in their case, which Whoa. is, you know, it was a, a bit of a peppering. Um, so it, it was, be, be, being 1-0 down at home to a side who are, who are fairly poor and with little to play for is going to have a big impact in those. And, you know, it's going to step out a bit, especially when you end up um, winning the game. Um And you are right with the keepers. I thought that Travers should have done way better for the Rob Atkinson header. Um, Travers pulled out of the Republic of Ireland squad with an injury uh, and then played in this game, uh, given that, of course, they went and got Freddie Woodman uh, in on loan in, uh, in January. Probably surprising that if Travers wasn't fit or if there was any hint that he wasn't fit, I thought Scott Parker would need no second invitation to bring in you know someone who most people would probably consider to be a better keeper even though Travers has had such a good season so far and has made himself fairly undroppable and then Daniel Bentley saying hold my beer Um, and you know both with the first goal um, from Solanke where he gets kind of a a decent hand to it but can't really divert it away from goal and then being beaten by Cook from 30 odd yards a bouncing ball at at the near post Um, so yeah Goalkeepers Union, an apology to them, I guess, but it, it was it was not the best. But I think in this performance, probably Bournemouth, you know, it shouldn't have been um, as the scoreline should have been more than a, a single goal advantage. And I guess because of scored in the ninety second minute,
0: um, it takes a bit of the gloss off what was actually a, a fairly dominant display. Bristol City, pretty true to form as well. They've scored the most goals of any team in the bottom half uh, with fifty one pretty decent return from 40 games they've also conceded the third most goals in the whole division 72 in 40 games it was a problem last season it's been a problem for the whole of this season it's something that Nigel Pearson has spoken at length about with a a really frustrated tone as I'm sure you can all imagine and it's something that I will be interested to see uh, how or I suppose if they can turn it around if they can improve defensively ahead of next season without a major change in the dugout or in personnel I'm sure there will be some defensive additions added uh, and I suppose at that point we will be able to decide whether there's something inherently wrong with Pearson's setup or whether it was just indeed individual mistakes Um, it's going to be an interesting one to watch that but uh, another defeat for Bristol City now let's get into the chunky bit What we used to call the seeded batch, um, but we parked that for a while because I thought as a phrase it made so little sense that it would have been stupid to continue uh, parroting it ten times a pod for five months. But it makes its return today because in the championship section from third downwards, nine teams separated by ten points and every result significant. So I think we'll play a little game of good week four, bad week four. Uh, George will start with a good week four, three away winners and that was Huddersfield beating Hull 1-0 on Friday night. That was Middlesbrough beating Peterborough uh, at uh, 4-0 on Saturday afternoon. And Nottingham Forest beating Blackpool 4-1 on Saturday lunchtime. Good week for them three. <laughs> yeah, very good week. Uh, eventually for Huddersfield, uh, Tom Eaves
1: with a moronic second yellow card, which equals a red card. Um, mm. Just kicking out a Lewis O'Brien from behind about... 30 seconds before half time and then running away as if um, he was going to be able to run away from the referee. Um, a, a moment that is, is not going to affect, well, you wouldn't think would affect whole season um, because they should have just about enough on the board to, to, to keep them clear. But for Huddersfield, it was a stroke of luck that they needed really because they were, were, were then dominant with, um, with 11 men against 10 and, and were fully deserving of the Toffolo goal. But... You know, you've got to say because Hull fans will be will feel aggrieved that it did look like Tommy Tom Lee's was just um, a, a hair's length offside. Um, so a, a bad week for Eves, a good week for Lee's.
0: Um, <laughs> you know, I can't stop thinking about the book "Eats, Shoots, and Leaves." Yeah, you're Eves. so close to it.
1: Eves shoots and Lee's. <laughs> <laughs> Eves toppler shoots and. Oh, I can't even
0: do it. I've ruined your momentum there, and I apologise for it. But that's the sort well, of then, mood I'm in.
1: The, the Peterborough Middlesbrough derby. Yeah, uh, famously for those who don't often write those team names as often as we do, Middlesbrough no O, Why? Peterborough O.
0: Why? Why? Why I, is that?
1: Well, I think it's quite a good Middlesbrough. Like question, you say you're
0: an EFAD expert. Spell Peterborough Middlesbrough. But also borough. Lean into it by calling themselves Borough Borough. with an O that simply doesn't exist in their name. I think we should point out at this
1: stage that Middlesbrough fans didn't choose the name of their their town. Wow.
0: So... I can't believe I'm so wound up about this. So if if it was up to you, would Middlesbrough's nickname be Bruh? Yeah, Bro.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Posh v Bro. Yeah, nice. Okay, um, well, yeah, Bro certainly won out. Um... With a you know a very dominant performance, I think that the, the key thing for me and the exciting thing in my mind for for Middlesbrough at this stage is that it's felt like ever since you know I've said many many times what I think about the way that um, that Chris Wilder builds a squad in January how he is addicted to strikers and it normally means that there's very little c- continuity. I mean, it's the only negative I would, I would have in terms of Wilder's um, method of management. One of the best and, managers in the world. Yes, correct and. Um, yeah, and you know, I I don't think you listen to it, but in my athletic podcast every week I get r- ripped because I I often talk about how much I love Chris Wilder. Okay, quick
0: one: is that podcast a podcast that you do without me? Yes, then I don't listen to it.
1: Yeah, so I don't listen to any of the podcasts you do without me. Wow. The key thing for me is is that he seems to have finally well, not finally that the front two of Balogun and Connolly are now making
0: those slots their own um, in a way that I'm not sure the fans are that happy with no I, well certainly Connolly Balogun has actually put in some really nice moments in the last few weeks hasn't he um,
1: they both started and both scored in the 2-0 win at Birmingham which meant they retained their place uh, for this one Connolly didn't score but Balogun scores again and then Coburn and, and more come off the bench and both score as well it, going into a, a playoff campaign and we haven't spoken about Sparar either here going into a playoff campaign to have got five strikers mm. all kind of vying for, for those two positions and both but in, in a sense where they're both playing well mm. you know in a sense where looking forward to the next game for Borough sorry for Bro um, they they have a decision to make in terms of do you stick with the two strikers who've won your last two games do you reward what more and or Coburn for scoring in the last game do you recall someone who was such a big part of their team and Spurra before that mm. um, these are the good kind of um, issues whereas it felt to me three or four weeks ago like Borough having to basically shuffle the pack up front regularly to try and find a, a, a
0: duo that worked. So feels like the Slovenian strikers' chances of, of appearances in the next few weeks might be sporadic. Mm. Yes. But it was good to see Follarin following in at the back post to score his goal. And it was great to see Coburn scoring because we like seeing young players, particularly young strikers, scoring goals. That is uh, something that is exciting in football uh, and it got us thinking and chatting on the sofa as we watch Quest. Very rare that we watch it together. Quite enjoyable, Possibly really. first time ever, I think. I? Yeah, maybe. I said, Coburn, looking forward to seeing him on loan in League One next season. That feels like the most obvious destination for him. He certainly looks ready for that uh, and you never know until you see someone having to start, let's say, or expecting to start 40 games in a season. But That's what I'd hope. And then I looked to you 30 seconds later and went, feels very Michael Appleton, doesn't it? So I'm calling it now Josh Coburn on loan to Lincoln next season. Would Wilder and Appleton get on? Maybe not. Maybe they hate each other because of the Oxford connection. No comment. Okay. <laughs> what if I said to you, George, having thought about it more strongly, what do you think the chances of Josh Coburn going on loan to Michael Appleton's Lincoln next season? What would you say? Um, Can't say no comment. I would say I, I'd say possibly.
1: I, I, I wouldn't rule it out at all.
0: Because there's a two percent chance, so it's no. technically it is possible. No, no, no.
1: I, I, I'm saying that any, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm going to wrap myself around in, in, in knots here, so uh,
0: I'll leave it. Uh, some sweet strikes here, sweet, sweet Tav. I wrote down uh, after he swept home uh, from the left side, just outside the box for Middlesbrough's first goal, and a really nice finish from. Dunk Watmore as well. Now Peterborough's defending as bad as ever. Uh, they have conceded a disgraceful amount of goals this season. Um, and look, I have a lot of sympathy for any goalkeeper that plays for a team that is so poor defensively. But we we couldn't help but noticing that Die Cornell seemed to be just enjoying the view for a couple of these ones, um, which I didn't enjoy so much. Nottingham Forest. I think. Oh, I got to be careful what I say here because I really enjoyed Swansea's performance, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But watching Quest back, I think the thing I was most excited to see was was how Forrest played. Um, Obviously, how Brennan Johnson scored his two goals, took them so well. The I can't tell which one I prefer, to be honest. The second one, his first touch with his with his foot sort of at like rib height Mm -hmm. uh, to control Grimshaw's errant kick. Uh, a, a nutmeg of Jordan Thornley a kind of a, quite, a, quite a dirty nutmeg where I kind of think Thornley tackles him he bounces back off Johnson and through a bit, bit of a Luis Suarez nutmeg oh, that's what I was going to say bad luck imagine that being your legacy being known as the guy who always gets past players but it's in a really, it, it like it was his thing was
1: to, was to turn into players no, no, no one does
0: that I really enjoyed the build up to I guess it was the first goal uh, Worrell Worrell basically as like a right wing back, with Spence as a right winger, with Johnson as a right forward. Um, holding width and and you have to be so brave in possession because of course you open yourself up on the counter-attack if you lose it but they look after the ball really well Um, they got it into big Keenan didn't they and he did exactly what he does best just shrugging players off for fun and carrying the ball so every part of this team at the moment I'm enjoying watching Uh, I'm really excited for them to make the playoffs if they do because they're in a good position Uh, three games in hand over Blackburn who are in sixth Forest in seventh uh, one point behind them that they're in a strong position they're playing incredibly well at the moment uh, and I'm enjoying every single second of it so there you go also kind of enjoyed Brennan's uh, archery celebration I-, I was wondering if that was a, a homage to Robin Hood Nottingham's former favourite son yeah very possibly I don't know what else that maybe he just um, thought it was an arrow into the corner maybe Cameron Archer is his favourite player in the championship yeah and he's and he's, that was an homage to Cameron Archer. Uh, it was a bad week four in this chunk of team. Sheffield United losing 1-0 at Stoke. It's not a Stoke team with a lot of vim and vigour about them at the moment. We've spoken about that over the last few weeks. So, albeit a 1-0 reverse away from home at, at a side with a lot of good players, doesn't feel like the end of the world for Sheffield United. I must admit, I felt a little bit let down at them just somehow not not finding their form here.
1: Yeah, I, I spoke about this Um earlier well last week and there was a, a big feeling around Sheffield United that the reason for the drop off in form after such a good run under Paul Heckenbottom um, well not necessarily even form because they you know, they beat Barnsley and won a couple of games but it was to do with the, the congestion because they had so many games to catch up on mm-hmm. um, and there was this whole idea before the Barnsley game Jack Lester came out and said you know we need need one more performance before we get the break from the international break and then we'll come back reinvigorated so there there seemed to be this idea that they just had to get to international break still in a good position which they did and then they'd be able to kind of reset refresh and and go again so for them to go to to Stoke a Stoke team with with little to nothing to play for apart from you know the the manager's job safety was pretty disappointing you know they clearly lost Billy Sharp Uh, interesting to note that it was Daniel Jebberson rather than Ollie McBurney who got the call-up to, to lead the line up front, who who had very little impact uh, in the game itself, I guess, because Sharp providing that kind of goal scorer, six-yard box goal threat, maybe they wanted, thought it would be kind of a, more of a like-for-like, like, even though they're very different players, rather than McBurney, who, who would be the player that Gibbs-White and others could play off. Um, but it didn't go to plan. And for Heckingbottom now, again, you know, an, another team who it felt like almost kind of locks for for a, a top six spot. They suddenly find themselves, you know, a point out of it uh, in eighth. Um, yes, they've got a couple of games in hand, but when you're looking at the, the championship table at the moment, you have to upgrade Nottingham Forest, uh, a team who are currently seventh. They are clearly one of, if not possibly even the most likely team, I would say, outside the top two to get into the playoffs now. Um, so... You know, it, it's it's by no means a done deal that we're going to see Blades uh, in, in the playoffs uh, in my opinion and after the the kind of performances we've seen this side and, and the other side of the international break they're going to have to improve uh, pretty quickly
0: it's still very uncertain from here on to the end of the season and that makes it exciting massive game tomorrow night what's that? they host QPR <sighs> Well, we've touched on QPR. They obviously lost at Fulham, extending their poor run. No shame in losing to Fulham, of course, but uh, no help either for Rangers and Warburton uh, on Saturday. Then we've got two two, 2-2 draws. Coventry 2, Blackburn 2. But just the scoreline itself doesn't explain the drama. Late, late drama at the Rico. Late drama, early drama.
1: And some in the middle. Yeah, Godden. The perfect um, game. Godden being kind of clipped, mm. um, and the referee giving absolutely nothing, mm. just deciding to 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 just ignore the whole occasion and not give either a... I think he had five players in the way.
0: I don't think he could see. I'm not so even going. Go I'm not even going. Cool. i just said, uh, deciding not to do anything about it. Better not, mate, because he was meant to come on my stag, but he couldn't make it because of work. You know I love refs.
1: Um, what's his name?
0: John Seymour. John Seymour. <laughs> <laughs> Old Seymour, <laughs> Seymour incidents, mate. If anything,
1: John Seymour.
0: Find a be- find a better view. Oh, I'm going to quickly Google John Seymour and see if there's anyone called that. Um, this is the time in the pod, and I've done this before on occasions like this. I'm not editing this, mate. I've got bad news for you. I'm not editing this, so you, you've got to keep it. We can't get the giggles. You've got to keep it tight. John Seymour died in 2004. <laughs> No wonder I didn't hear back from him. British author and pioneer. (laughs) He was a pioneer. I was on the pies and beers. Rebels against
1: consumerism, industrialisation, genetically modified organisms, cities, Uh Mm. and motorcars. Wow. Um, Diverse. He was an advocate. This is more like you, mate. This is amazing. He was an advocate. Drinking water on a night out. Self-reliance, personal responsibility, self-sufficiency, and then wait for it. Food, drink, dancing, and singing. (laughs) Gardening, caring for the earth and for the soil. Oh, From Hampstead. What
0: a man. Rest in peace, John Seymour.
1: I am not surprised. John was as much at home in the humblest house on a hillside as in the manor, ha- manor house of the landed gentry. Mind you of anyone? You. He was a one-man rebellion against modernism. Right. Interesting tangent there. John Seymour, author, sadly passed away 14th of September 2004. Um, I couldn't make it on your stag, but also didn't give a red card um, on Saturday. in. Good. Commentary Blackburn.
0: Um Moving on, it- I don't think that's going to make it on as one of our Twitter snippets this week.
1: No, I probably agree,
0: but we leave that up to Dana, who runs our social channels, to decide. So maybe
1: sometimes people say they
0: like to have a pint with us. That is what you'd have to endure if you did. Mm. So
1: maybe it changes the changes people's mind. No more pints uh, ever. Um, it-, it was. Um, I mean, the-, the striking thing here. Coventry went one up in the first half. It felt like it was going to be more of the same for Blackburn. And then Tony Mowbray decided to bring the big guns out and bring on Bradley Dack and Ben Britton-Diaz at halftime. Within 18 seconds of the second half, Bradley Dack scored with his first touch of the ball to make a one-all. Scott Wharton then scored what felt like it was going to be a massively significant, almost kind of season-defining goal uh, to put them 2-1 up and end this hellish run they've been on. Um the, the local boy Dungoods, who's you know, surpassed everyone's expectations this season, uh, to go 2 1 up. And then very, very late in the game, uh, Darbo puts in a, a very, very nice ball, it has yeah. to be said. Uh, for, Great strength from. For Jokeresh to hold off Nyambe and with a stooping header um, in injury time, uh, run off into a, a fairly empty corner of the Rico. Um, where he you know, pointed at his watch, I think, telling people to stick around, which um, I've often said to my dad, uh, who rarely sees the injury time boards go up and, and he's off on my lift. Um, and he always wonders why I'm more angry than happy when we score when we're already in the car. Um, so, yeah, I mean, dramatic. It's one of those results where, obviously, it feels very significant for Coventry because they have scored in the 93rd minute but realistically, it's a point that does neither team much good, and it's, and it's probably if you if you strip context, the actual in-game context out of the,
0: out of the match, it's probably a better point for Blackburn, realistically. Yeah, it is also means that they only have ten points from the last twelve games rather than twelve from their last twelve games. Um, but you know, some things to like in that performance, still some things not to like very much in that performance. I notice here that well, I was trying to take notes while we watch Quest, but it's so fast you just can't do it as you go but my notes here just says pick Dak, buck and geoc so it's good it's a good game for the sound oh, pick, of a, Pickering's own goal is quite funny Pickering's own goal that was the first note um, Callum O'Hare trying to meg him Pickering just you, so quickly, sliding your, it into the corner your
1: notes mm-hmm. are just the four goal scorers mm. uh, no Buckley didn't score uh, okay good <laughs>
0: thinking man's analysis I thought John Buckley did a nice imagine assist. if
1: you'd just written down the four names that who scored <laughs>
0: Well it's worth remembering isn't it? Yeah, I mean a few websites out there that can do that for you. Um anyway, it was a uh, an entertaining game. Luton 2, Millwall 2. Another entertaining game. Uh George, what do we I, you know, I'm always I'm always asking you straight away who's that good for? Is that good for anyone?
1: Um I mean it's difficult to say Luton were the favorites to win the game and for Millwall going away to Luton it's clearly a, a, a better result for them in terms of, of the point. But having said that, they led twice, and having said that, they're the team who are chasing. And as Nathan Jones said afterwards, it's not the worst result for Luton. You know, they've got they're the ones with the points on the board. They're the ones who are having to maintain their position. Mill, Millwall are the chasing pack. And when you've been two down twice at home, um, it, you know it wasn't a vintage performance. But they've been playing so well, we have to expect something of a drop-off in terms of their productivity and the, the points they're picking up. So I would say this is a better point for Luton, even if it's a more unlikely one for Millwall. And just seeing that you were worried that Jed Wallace wasn't going to get the um, the assist, he did.
0: Good. What does that mean for the double-double? He he's is hit 10 assists. 10 assists, he's four more goals. Oh, can we get four goals? Can we squeeze four more goals out of Jedley so that it's another famous double-double in reduced games as well this season after that rare injury? Um, really high-quality goals in this one Uh, the the Jake Cooper own goal aside although it was a very precise header into his own goal um first from Bradshaw sweet strike the sort of shot that normally goes well over the bar but he kept it down uh Adebayo and Bell with a two one twos uh check one two one two uh let's go towards the bottom of the championship I part of me wants to do like a sort of where are we at in the in the seeded batch George in the chunk but there's just too much there's just I can't compute it in my brain right now I'm not in the right frame of mind for it. So, if, listener, if you want to know what's going on in the Championship seeded batch, check a league table, will you? They do lie, though. Remember that. Uh, at the bottom, Barnsley won, Reading won. It was a significant game. I suppose it's a significant result and a better one for Paul Ince's Reading. Yeah,
1: um, and, and deserved too. I mean, again, it, this is a, a, a classic case where Game State plays such a big part. Um, when you've got a, a game between two sides where a victory for for either would be so incredibly important. Um, I think, even though I know some Barnsley fans might disagree with what I'm going to say, um, I, I think you can understand why after going ahead early, Barnsley looked to sit on their lead rather than going forward. There's so much at stake here that to, to do anything else would be fairly irresponsible, uh, especially when you've got players... The, the, the players that Reading have, the likes of Azaria who looked back to some kind of form, which is great to see after a difficult season uh, of Joao of Swift. These are guys who are going to be far happier trying to exploit space in front of them rather than having to to try and break down something of a low block. Okay. So it's you know it's it's going to be frustrating for Barnsley. They did concede. Um, it was and pretty poor from Anderson uh, in terms of of you know the, the nutmeg and not really reacting to it either. Um, that led to Josh Lawrence's goal. And it's it's quite clearly a much much better point for for Reading, um, and you can see Portland's afterwards look pretty like pretty pretty relieved that he'd been able to to keep um, Barnsley, well just just to not drop points to Barnsley uh, or to not let Barnsley uh, make up any ground on them. Mm-hmm. But with Derby getting a win, which I guess we're going to speak about in a sec, do it, boy! Um, you know Derby picking up a, an all important one 0 win against Preston in a a pretty. Um,
0: How many times this season have we said Derby one 0 winners at home, George? Five. There you go. Yeah, I mean it's a
1: uh,
0: a, a big a, win for Derby. A, yeah, but
1: but it's also a good performance from Derby. I mean, Preston looked to me to be like the team in the championship who are um, really getting the parasol out. Um, like they are not playing well, and you know Derby were, were very very well worthy of their
0: of their three points here. Do you reckon um, any Preston fans? Do you reckon they don't go to Blackpool Beach because they hate Blackpool? No, no, I no, love this love the seaside. If Swindon had a beach, would you go to the Swindon Beach? Is it a nice beach? Would be yeah. Uh, it's probably. got a pier it's got some loads of flashing lights yeah probably go cool I'd wear my Oxford shirt i oh. should wear my Oxford trunks I thought Liam Lindsay's red card was very harsh
1: yeah so did I um, I don't think there was any um, it was a kind of a tangle rather than a foul uh, it felt to me um, Max Bird's red card was clearly very justified and given that it was, it was 10 against 10 um, at 0-0 for the for the second half of the game, I'm not sure Lindsay's red card had too much to do with what happened. Um, but a brilliant finish from Ravel Morrison, who...
0: Inspired by Jamie Proctor
1: last week. Yep. Inspired by Paolo Di Canio 10 years, 20 years ago. Who? Paolo. Yeah, I mean, that's a Swindon person we shouldn't talk about. Um, but it's a, yeah, I mean, a, a, a brilliant finish. And I think given how strange Ravel Morrison's career has been... Uh, I think we can often gloss over the unlikelihood of the fact that he is a fully functioning midfielder, attacking player uh, in a side over the course of the season with no mishaps. Who has been in and out of the side and has seemingly, you know, been fine when he's outside and performed well when he's in the side and has shown moments of real quality that suggests that he is, you know, at the very worst a good Championship player. So great to see and, and another big moment for him. Now. Do you think he's going to be playing in League One next season if they go down? Like, surely if you're Ravel Morrison and you've had the career you've had, you're like, yeah, I've got a club here that I. I mean, if if everything is okay off the pitch, that's obviously qualified with that. Like, if they can keep him, where you're just like, yeah, I I I have had a season without any uh, disruption.
0: I'll be up for it. Yeah. So would I? But presuming that he's out of contract, I also think he'll probably have offers. You know, maybe go back to Lazio. Mm, Seems unlikely. Manchester United. Uh, unlikely. If Fergie has his way. Yeah. Best young player I've ever seen. Did he? I think that's a direct quote, <laughs> isn't it? Is it? No, it's not. Um, Paul Ince, if I was to write a book about Paul Ince's Reading managerial career so far, the title would be Doing Enough. And that's fine. Yeah. He's doing enough. Yeah. I thought that Swift and Young Thomas, as he calls him, uh, I thought they both looked very lively indeed. And when you have excellent players like John Swift and Young Thomas and Big Lucas and others... You know, half the job is making sure that you don't concede too many goals, so that they can actually, well, so that the good things that they do in flashes make more of an impact. And uh, it felt like they defended relatively well. Um, I don't know why being hungover slash still drunk from my stag do makes me quite neggy about goalkeepers, but couldn't believe that Carlton Morris shot went in so easily. That from that angle and hitting it not at great speed, it's very difficult for me to understand how the goalkeeper wouldn't get any closer to that. Anyway let's move on Cardiff nil, Swansea 4 George no side in this fixture in this historic rivalry has won the league double in 110 years of the South Wales derby they first played in the same division in 1929 1930 but they have now Swansea 3-0 winners in Swansea 4-0 <laughs> well, winners well saved 4-0 winners in Cardiff yeah all well all well. All wells. That's i w I've asked a lot of bad questions on this podcast. But asking all well <laughs> that's gotta be the worst ever.
1: Yeah. Um All
0: Well Russell? I
1: think it all was very well for them yesterday. Mm. Uh, I thought they um, played some lovely football for some of the goals. Mm. Um, I thought it's great to see Obafemi um, in, in in amongst the goals again with a couple of a couple of goals. Always quite risky when you score an opener in a derby match away from home and you and you Run into the corner in front of the home fans and stand in front of them, smiling. Um, well, you, he you did can, the
0: swim away thing, which is like the most incendiary thing yeah. you can do.
1: Um, so, it risk, could have, risk reward it could have gone badly. Instead, it went incredibly because he's, the next time he scored, it was four 0 Yeah. Um, so, good to see. I mean, it's it's very hard. When I looked at this game before the before the match, it felt to me like Cardiff. You know, it's it's a it's a game between two sides with little to play for, apart from the actual rivalry itself. And Cardiff seemed to be the team who were operating at a high level. Swansea may be the side who were, were, were drifting a bit with um, both clubs. is Both clubs are basically looking forward to next season with their, you know, with Martin and, and Morrison looking to build on what they've achieved this time around. Um, but what we saw was something completely different. Swansea it almost felt like had been um, preparing for this one for the, over the last few weeks and came into it and came out of the box very quickly and, and, and were, were very good. Whereas Cardiff
0: didn't really turn up. And I think it's um, quite funny that you just said that because it, sparked a memory in my head from the weekend. I think I was probably scrolling Twitter with one eye in the in the toilets of Slug and Lettuce yeah. and I saw a very angry Cardiff City fan tweeting our players have spent the international break in Dubai. Swansea players were training. There you go, mate. Learning the Russell way. I could see that. <laughs> that's incredible. Analysis. There you go. Thank you. Unbelievable that that's you could what, see that just from a Quest highlights that's, package. That's why I do what I do. Is it the tan that all the Cardiff players had that was the no That was the the, the the clue there I loved the first goal Probably my favourite They do score some nice goals I know I've Besmirched the good name Of Swansea's Attacking output uh, Many times this season Pointing out that Despite their High you possession You are a massive besmircher uh, Despite their high possession Numbers Haven't done very well really at translating that into big chances or even shots inside the box Um, but in the last few weeks it's been a lot better I did speak about a month ago probably about Obafemi and and how important and significant his emergence was for this team a because he's very talented and he's playing very well but also the sort of player that he was was fitting what they needed much more than Pirot who looks very happy playing in a slightly more withdrawn role uh, and played well here as as it, it seemed like everyone did so really excited for Robert Femi um, I wonder how many goals he might score for a, uh, a, a Swansea side next season in the championship a Swansea side that we assume will be a bit better and a bit more improved uh, than their performances and their results this season um, could be one to watch three braces in his last seven games but he hasn't scored in the other four so maybe he's a bit of a hot and coldy we'll see Cold and flu. Um, <laughs> oh God, sorry. Um, Birmingham one, West Brom nil. Happened on Sunday. Uh, big win for Blues. Just mainly in terms of bragging rights. The the cliche. Yeah, but I was rights. told
1: I was told the other day that they
0: just it's just not a derby. Do you think they'd still prefer to win than not win? Yes. Wow. But are there bragging rights? Like if Oxford beat Morecambe on Tuesday, are there bragging rights? Do we have bragging rights over the Morecambe over the Morecam lads? But. More chance that a blues fan might know some baggies fans and might write some bragging on the WhatsApp groups. Yeah, or in person. Well, I get I get
1: bragging rights over Tom, the Morecambe fan on the not the top twenty squad. Well, you got to win first. Yeah,
0: if if we or he gets bragging rights over me. Spoiler alert: Morecambe coming in hot. Yeah, I know. Uh, which we'll discuss in just a few minutes. Uh, Ryan, who's a blues fan. To be fair, he wasn't bragging very much on NTT 20 squad. He described it as a complete non-event of a football match. Neither Blues or West Brom are well-coached football teams, neither playing with confidence, and it showed here. Uh, I think Blues had three shots, the penalty. uh, Lyle Taylor was their goal. Um, but, But West Brom, with the Lions' share of possession, never looking comfortable at all, which reminds me quite a lot of Steve Bruce's Aston Villa And I'm hoping that that's not going to be the theme forever. Otherwise, I'm not going to enjoy watching West Brom play very much next season. Um, Going to want to see more from them. Uh, Good games for Mark Roberts, Christian Pedersen, Gary Gardner, Janino Bakuna. And of course, the Blues fans loving Lyle Taylor because he is that great combination, George. Goal scorer, wind-up merchant. You love that. You love that. I do. So... Uh, at the bottom of the championship, it was, well, It's a good week for Derby, wasn't it? They are in a position now where they are six points behind safety and they've played a game more than both Reading and Barnsley. So uh, incredibly unlikely that they stay up, but made more likely by their result, their win on the weekend. Reading and Barnsley sharing the points means that Reading doing enough under Paul Ince at five points buffer at this stage with seven fixtures still to play. Bom 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 bom. That's gonna confuse you, isn't it? What? you it up,
1: like, if I hadn't said something, you'd put that
0: in. The whole point was oh. that I was trying to do a a segue, like a sting. Okay. Because I finished the last bit, didn't I? By saying you can include this if you want. I said up next, League One, and then we pressed pause, and then we watched League One, League Two on Quest, ate a cookie, and now we're recording again. Cool. Bomb, 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 bomb. In League One, well, let's start at the top, George, where it was a good week for Rotherham United, but they didn't play a league match. How could it be a good week for them at the top of League One? Because they won the coveted EFL trophy. They won the coveted pizza, Papa John's game at Wembley against Sutton United, who, if I'm honest, by the sounds of things, deserved to win the game in the 90. Paul Warren very magnanimous. He might be the most magnanimous man in the EFL, thinking about it, as I speak. Regardless, uh, 96-minute equaliser from Ossay to make it 2-2. And then they won 4-2 in extra time. I think, basically, Sutton deserved the win in the 90, but as soon as it went to extras, Rotherham were always going to win. And Matt Gray, magnanimous in defeat. He He will be. Shook every single player's hand. He is magnanimous. Yeah. Magnificent. Sutton, apparently made around 250 grand out of this run but it was a good week for Rotherham in league 1 as well i would suggest wouldn't you because had wigan held on to their 1-0 lead against bolton Rotherham would have been in second they'd have been behind wigan and they'd have played a game more than wigan that bottom goal good news for Rotherham you you're kind of you're, you're grimacing i
1: think it's a an okay week for Rotherham i would say that mk dons's win is probably more significant than wigan's dropping points because let's be clear here mm. Rotherham's key part of Rotherham's season isn't winning the league, which is what they're vying for with Wigan. It's finishing in the top two. And MK Dons' relentless gallop towards their automatic promotion races, places is the most important thing here. So yes, Rotherham would have been very happy to see that you know Wigan uh, didn't pull clear of them because it needs to be as close a race as possible and they want Wigan to be catchable for MK Dons as well. But if you offered Rotherham a Wigan victory over Bolton...
0: And then an MK Dons defeat then uh, against Shrewsbury. I'm pretty sure they'd have rather it that way around. That's a good way of looking at it. What did you make of MK Dons' two 0 win against Shrewsbury and or Wigan's one all draw with Bolton? Um, well the the Moisa
1: goal was was one of the weirdest goals I've seen uh, scored in the EFL this season or yeah. may, maybe ever. Um, just two straightforward passes and then a kind of the, a
0: finish that was almost just like another straightforward pass. Um, the passes were straightforward and straightforward. Yeah, not often you can say that.
1: I think the ma- a map of the goal would look quite weird. It would just be yeah. th- it would be three straight kicks at kind of very slight angles. Um, but they were, you know, they were they were pretty good again. Um, and, and given, you know, even that if that uh, first goal was fairly easy to come by, uh, we know that Shrewsbury are not an easy side to beat, and uh, we have to credit them for 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 making it look pretty comfortable and pretty cosy especially in the form that Shrewsbury are in as well. Um, I think that the way that MK have managed to basically continue improving as the season has gone on, despite losing key men. You know, you look at the midfield duo now of McEachern and Coventry, very, very different to how they started the season, but it doesn't really seem to have come at, at any cost. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to be seeing them in a couple of weeks, my first Oxford game for a long time, uh, on the Tuesday after Easter, um, and I am pretty worried about it because MK at the moment do look like the team who, um, you know, if Wigan and Rotherham are going to go up automatically, they're going to be kept up to
0: their task by a side who, who continue to improve. Moisa, one of the coolest 1v1 finishes in League One. I think that's, that's fair to say, particularly when he's in rhythm, in form, as he seems to be at the moment. Good news for MK Dons. Scott Twine with the second goal. If you add goals and assists together, top in League One for goal contributions, as they are often called. I think it's 26. Second is Alfie May now with 25, which is incredible, really. Um, Scott Twine leading the way at what a signing. Uh, I feel like we could cut and paste that in most weeks. Uh, In the playoff battle, very, very, very good week for Plymouth Argyle, George. And unfortunately, on the flip side of that, a bad week for Oxford United. Um, You were quite surprised about 20 minutes ago when I told you Oxford had dropped out of the playoffs feel like you hadn't noticed that in the excitement at Newby Racecourse on Saturday. Uh, I also feel like, had Michael Cooper been playing in golf at Oxford rather than Plymouth Argyle, I reckon you think Oxford would have won? Um, Possibly, I think you said to me earlier, I didn't realise we absolutely
1: battered. Yeah, tongue-in-cheek I said that and you laughed and it was a nice moment and you've just ruined it by by making me come across like a a, um, biased badman. Um, You know, I, I was because we were otherwise engaged on Saturday I hadn't quite you know normally even when Oxford are playing. I think I'm the one that's engaged mate you got married in July well done um, normally when Oxford are playing and I'm not there which is most of the time I'm pretty on top of what's going on whether it's at Quest or doing the radio or whatever this time around I, I wasn't because I was enjoying myself you just myself. put
0: some cookie in your mouth as you answer
1: yeah He's taking liberties, ladies and gentlemen. I wouldn't say some cookie. It was like a little crumb of chocolate. Well, give
0: us some crumbs of insight. That's what I'm trying to do. You keep interrupting
1: me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't as on top of it here, given how good Plymouth have been at home as of late and how good their defensive record is. Um, and given kind of what I'd read from uh, a few Oxford fans, I was quite surprised to see that Carl was right when he said that Oxford created better chances and that Carl was right to feel a bit aggrieved at an offside decision, which oh, from the angle that we're looking at, it looks it doesn't look like a blatant. It didn't look at It was blatantly on on the side, despite what Swindon legend and Sam Parkin said on Quest. Um, it, it looked pretty marginal. Uh and certainly it was a, a, a totally blatant penalty and probably a red card for Dan Scar for a deliberate foul. Um for the incident at nil-nil. But as you say, Cooper made a couple of great saves. You know, he is I said on Quest the other day that Gavin who has been one of the best or the best keeper in, in League One this season and Argyle fans were quick to say what about Cooper and, and totally fair I think he is among the best in the division and uh, a couple of very smart saves one particularly good one from from Gavin White um, were, were crucial and then it feels you know, I, I know this is a bit of a you know all football fans seem to think that their team concedes good goals or whatever but it does feel like at the moment Oxford are quite regularly um, conceding strikes of, of of pretty high quality and that was certainly the case with with Joe Edwards' goal, um, a very nice volley after a cushioned chest from Narl Ennis. Um, you know, it was unfortunate for Oxford that they weren't able to to win, well, to get anything out of the game in a performance that probably deserved two uh, Key players missing, you know, Cameron Branigan uh, out for this one, um, probably the the most important of those players. But certainly, it's now looking difficult, and with the fixtures being pretty hard. Um, you know, the, the game on Tuesday night at Morecambe is, is massive for Oxford. If they lose that, then they're,
0: they're suddenly playing catch-up. Absolutely love the way Argyle are just getting it done in recent weeks, in recent months, really. I think they've won 11 of their last 14 games, which is sensational. Simon Schumacher deserves a lot of credit. Those who were so quick to say, Simon Schumacher, take the wheel, sir... Um, upon Ryan Lowe's departure should take a lot of credit as well. Just 14 goals conceded at home for Argyle in their 21 games at home park. The thing that is unavoidable when talking about Argyle at this point is to mention the fixtures that they have. Burton away next. Wickham away then. Sunderland at home. Wigan away. MK Dons at home to finish. It's an incredible slate coming up for Argyle. They play... Uh, Five games, four of them against teams eighth and above. Uh, It makes it very exciting. And it also makes it all the better that this good run has them, what, eight points above yellows who are in seventh and therefore in a strong position to make the playoffs, even if they suffer a a defeat or two, preferably not three or four, though. That's for sure. Impressive win. Give keeper Cooper the cookie, not George Ennick. One nil. Argyle. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday to Wimbledon one. Sunderland 1, Gillingham nil. George. There was a period with about, uh, well, with 90 minutes on the clock where even with Oxford losing, we commented that with results elsewhere, like Sheffield Wednesday 1, Wimbledon 1 and Sunderland nil, Gillingham nil, it wouldn't be the end of the world. It wouldn't feel like the end of the world for Yellows. Uh, alas, Lee Gregory, 90 plus 2. broad on young shoulders, 90 plus 5 for Sunderland. Three points for both teams, just about. Yeah, big results for them. And as you say,
1: bad news for, for us Oxford fans. Um, with the, the, the Wednesday FC Wimbledon game, obviously Mark Bowen's first game in charge. This is the first pod we've recorded since. Bowen um, was given the job until the end of the season. Uh, clearly did a, a similar um, job in, in Reading and in kind of get taking them over when they were in a pretty perilous position and, and managing to, um, to kind of get back. And... Um, and keep them up that's the job he's being tasked with here at AFC Wimbledon and, and they were they were, I guess okay for the most part You know, they, they lost 2-1 away at a Wednesday side who've been very very good especially at home recently uh, Barry Bannon's creative juices were flowing and that, that was what created the first goal as well um, and they left it pretty late uh, amazing that Jack Hunt scored another goal after waiting so long for his first goal uh, how often that happens uh, and Lee Gregory scoring very late on um, to win the game it was a pretty scrappy goal but a, a massive one for them and frustration for AFC Wimbledon who would have hoped to to kind of bounce back for the first one and then in the second um, in, in the Sunderland game as well very dramatic close Tucker should have done better than Jenningham centre-back for the goal um, uh, he's not really defending the space or the man as the ball comes in and Broadhead's able to, to head it in and that this feels like a bit of a theme under Alex Neil for Sunderland where they're not winning games easily, um, but they're getting over the line eventually, and um, and he, you know, something is 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 going right for them at the moment. But you would hope, and Sunderland fans will know this, they need to start putting themselves clear earlier in games, and rather than relying on late goals to to win them, because um, otherwise they probably come a cropper.
0: Wickham squeezed out a two nil win at home to Donny. Uh, went ahead here in the first half. Thanks to Mr. McCleary. Uh, what an excellent season he's had, assisted by Anis Mometi. And star Anis scored the second as well. Uh, Vokes was very, very good here as well. A real handful. Doncaster's leaky defence really struggled to handle him. and I think Mitchell did pretty well initially to, to keep Wickham at bay, um, but probably disappointed with uh, not getting a stronger hand on, on Mometi's strike. I must admit, I was quite surprised to look at the who scored stats for this one, and see that Doncaster had 17 shots, five on target. Uh, Both of those numbers are the highest this season. Uh, Sorry, I think it's 17 shots for Doncaster and five shots on target. Joint most they've had all season for both of those. Now, granted, Wickham were ahead in the 17th minute uh, and therefore they'd have sat in a little bit. They're not a, a hugely proactive team when it comes to pressing, winning the ball back. And Doncaster did take a fair few shots from range. But even so, it just... You know, And I don't want to um, have a go at Wickham in winning this game because they did so and they deserved it. But ever since I called them the boa constrictors of League One a couple of months back, and that was very specifically about how well they held on to leads and how strong a grip they seem to have when they do go ahead, uh, making the first goal so important. I feel like that's really been chipped away at a little bit um, and they really... They are certainly not boa constrictors anymore, that's uh, for sure. But they did get the job done. They're still in the hunt. There's no doubt about that. A bad week for, if we're talking about playoff chases, Ipswich Town. But I'd rather focus on a very, very, very good week for Cambridge United, uh, George. They beat Ipswich 1-0 here. It was absolutely not how I saw the game going, clearly, after uh, Ipswich being one of my picks on the betting show. But there's one thing that Mark Bonner and Cambridge love to do, and that's to make everything that I say about what I think will happen in their matches or their whole seasons turn it on its head and prove me wrong
1: yeah um, uh, a game where Cambridge were able to create a fair bit many from set-piece situations which might be the way so many teams have struggled to create against Kieran McKenna and Zipswich maybe that is the the one weaker link Um, and you know even though um, it wasn't a game of many chances it certainly um, wasn't a game where Cambridge couldn't people seen as being particularly fortunate to win. You know, they had they had their own chances at 0-0. Mitov made a couple of pretty crucial saves as well, but it wasn't like Ipswich battered them uh, at all. And, and, you know, Ipswich fans may point at the, the disallowed goal later on in the second half, but having watched it back, uh, Aluko is quite clearly offside before Wolfenden prods in. So it, it's a correct decision and it's, you know, this felt like what should have been a regulation home win that would have put Ipswich... Even closer to the playoff picture. And now, um, you know, after the Oxford game, plenty of, of Ipswich fans said that was it. It then looked like it wasn't it. It's now looking more like it's it again. Um, although you could never rule out, as we always say, it was just going and winning six in a row. But this was a, a bad game in which to drop points at home against a side who whose away form is, is frankly very, very poor.
0: Is this it? No. One of your favourite albums? Yes. Thought so. Correct. Best like, song? Uh, is this it? Such just the opening track. No, I can't think of any others at the moment off the top of my head. New York City Cops. Is last night in that one? hmm Last night. There you go. Thanks. Well, the last time that Cambridge United and Ipswich Town, local rivals without this really being much of a rivalry, that seems to be the vibe I'm getting from both sets of fans, I think Ipswich will be quite keen to pretend this doesn't mean anything to them, but I'm sure there's a little something there because there aren't many teams close to them apart from Nodge City. Uh, first time these two teams have been in the same division since the 91-92 season. In fact, George, the first ever league match they played against each other was in League Division 2, 9th of November 1991. Is your birthday around then? No, uh, I, I would have been nearly
1: a year old. When's your birthday? Having the 18th of November 1990. Having never... Absolutely
0: miles off. Yeah.
1: Okay. Having never um, spoken about our age very much in the podcast, I've now twice said, well, how old I am.
0: George is 31. Mm. Unbelievable. I'm pretty sure all the footballers we work with think I'm about 22. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. Well, I've lost my trail of thought. Yes. My point was really nice for Cambridge United to be in the same division as Ipswich Town for the first time in 30 years uh, and... Basically the exact same results as when they were last in the division together. Uh, Cambridge won away from home 2-1 November 1991 and they drew 1-1 at home in March 1992. Drawing the first game this season with a late Ironside equaliser at the Abbey and then winning famously at Portman Road. We love Mark Bonner and I'm never making another prediction about Cambridge United until I legally contractually have to in the 1-24s. Next season, a great win. So in terms of the playoff picture, let me whiz through it. Rotherham and Wigan are on 80, 39 and 38 games played. MK Dons are on 79 with 40 played. Then Argyle, 77, two back, but having played 41 games. Then we have a runner team, so we've all played 40. Sheffield Wednesday, five back from Plymouth on 72. Sunderland, 70. Then the other side of the dotted line, Oxford, 69. Wickham, 69. Both played 40 games and then Ipswich, five back And having played 41, uh, it looks like we know a little more about which teams will be in the playoffs, but we don't know exactly yet. So at the bottom, good week four, Fleetwood Town. Wasn't it? They went to Crew Alex. Fleetwood were 13 without a win. Crew had lost 12 out of 13. Crew have now lost 13 out of 14. Uh, One of the worst teams I can remember us covering, really. Their points tally of, I think they're on 25. At this point, it's hard to imagine them getting to 30. One of the saddest demises I can remember because that team was excellent in winning promotion from League Two. That team was excellent in reaching the top half of League One last season and now be back to square one, really, dropping down into League Two. I reckon worse than square one. Wow, ground zero. Mm. Um, I, I said this to you
1: off air a second ago and unless someone can tell me why, unless there is a new crop of Owen Dale's, or Harry Pickering's, Charlie Kirk's I think crew are going to really struggle next season and um, you know we consistently see teams who are incredibly well who are just far worse basically than the rest of the league in league one when they get relegated they normally continue to, to, to drop like a stone you know we saw Chesterfield get back to back relegations we've seen Scunthorpe over, over a protracted period of time um, tumble their way into non-league and it seems to me like crew are at the moment, if, if this crew team that we're seeing now was playing in League Two this season, I think they would be in the relegation picture. Um, because I don't think there is very much between the bottom half of, of League One and League Two generally. Um, you know, even teams such as Northampton, Swindon, you know, who've gone down and 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 had good seasons here, have been so far clear in my eyes as a relegation side. You know, Swindon firstly were, were, were terrible, but they rebuilt with a new owner and it's a completely different squad and a different manager. Um, you know this North Northampton side went down last season. I would have far clear of, of this crew side. So I'm I'm really worried for them. Um, you know if, if there's anything I'm missing, I'd be intrigued to know. But it doesn't feel like a, a squad with much potential. And you know, even though David Artell has proven himself to be a very capable manager, he's he's, he's not a miracle worker at all. Um, I think it might surprise a few crew fans to hear me say that. But I think when you're looking at the the level that teams who show this kind of performance, how they go on to to um, perform the next season, they need to have a big overhaul and somehow improve massively because otherwise um, I'm pretty concerned for them in League 2 I think it's fair to
0: take a look at Fleetwood Town and make the point that they well when Crew Alexandra have a very very young team and they do well and they win games we tend to point out these are some quite fun talented young players I think it's fair to point out that Fleetwood Town uh, whether it's helped them in the short term pick up points is arguable but they've got some really young players And they've done things quite differently this season, haven't they? Because a lot of what we would imagine to have been the higher earners were moved off the books. Um, The owner, I think, having some cash flow flow issues uh, related to COVID, like so many, uh, have taken a different approach. And if they do stay up on what must be a massively reduced budget, it would be pretty impressive. Um, Certainly the key objective uh, having been achieved. Now, there's still work to do. But in this game, we saw Harvey McAdam score his first goal. And... I've got to let you in on a secret. Yeah. Doesn't happen very often. Okay. Saw his name pop up. I'd never heard of him before. Mate, had you not? I had never heard of Harvey McAdam. Are you serious? Scoring a, an EFL goal. I'm pretty embarrassed. But they signed him from Northern, Northern Premier League. Northern Premier League. Premier Division club, yep. Ashton United. Ashton. In January. I not know this. In January. Yeah. This was his first start. Midfielder. Scored a goal. Attacking midfielder. Well yeah. done, George. I knew you'd know him. He, he, um,
1: he actually uh, played uh, 19 games this season. I can't believe you didn't know this.
0: Really For who? Weird. For Ashley United. Right. But not for Fleetwood Town. No, no. I don't follow the Northern Prem as closely as I'd like to. He was the
1: guy from Nelson. Before
0: yeah. Before that. And, Long, and Longbridge. Well, the name rang a bell, but anyway. Uh, Sean Hayes, 18-year-old, playing up front. Uh, he came through the, the youth system at Fleetwood, and he looks pretty lively, I must admit. Uh, and they've got, obviously, Jed Garner, 23, leading the line. Paddy Lane, who they signed from, I think, another Northern Prem club in Hyde in the summer, uh, who's been a star. He's playing left wing back here. So uh, if they can achieve survival, I'll be applauding them because clearly it's been in uh, different circumstances, reduced circumstances, let's say. Another great day for Morecambe FC, George. They were also long without a win, 12 in fact, but they left Burton, or they left their match against Burton with three goals and three points. Some really good goals. Burton,
1: I think, understandably, not really showing up for this one. Um, A a real case of a a massive game for Morecambe and and a completely unnecessary game is... Burton players just look forward to the season wrapping up and, and then being able to go on their summer holidays. Um, but given how poor Derek Adams' start has been in his second spell at, at Morecambe, this was pretty important. Um, lovely ball from Wildig for the first goal. Um, you know, it's, it's all the key men basically coming to the fore here in Wildig, Phillips and Stockton, the three key players for, for Derek Adams for many spells, of course, without uh, not including the promotion season where Phillips was, was at Accrington for the second half. Call us Timpsons because we're key men. There you go. Done. <laughs> um, and they were, they were good value for it it was, it was just a way better performance than what we've seen from them recently and you know, they've gone in one game from being a side who, who looked destined for the drop to one who can now harbour some hope of, of, um, of getting out
0: of this mess Two points behind Gillingham who are in the 20th position that everyone's gunning for uh, Morecambe and Wimbledon have both got a game in hand over Jill's as well Morecambe two back AFC Wimbledon, four back after their defeat to Sheffield Wednesday. Fleetwood's win means they're also on 37, above Jills on goal difference, and they've played the fewest games of all of these teams. So Fleetwood in the strongest position so far. Wimbledon and Morecambe with it all to do. There was a really fun game of beach football here as well. Accrington four, Cheltenham four. A lot of things we saw during that highlights package on Quest made us giggle. Uh, none more so than Michael Nottingham, the Accrington center backs. Sp- <laughs> sprinting forward way quicker than I thought he could move uh, in the build-up to, I think, their third... No, the fourth goal, the goal that made it 4-2. That made me think that uh, he was treating this like a game of beach football, Um, but none more so than the 95th minute beautifully taken finish to equalise to make it 4-4 from Will Boyle, another big centre-back not known for his deft finishing, um, firing low and hard into the the far corner. Accrington 4, Cheltenham 4. I cannot applaud this more. I want every single match between two teams in mid-table from now to the end of the season to have at least four goals, maybe five, six or seven. Please, it's all we want. Will never happen. In League Two, oh wait, I'll do the segue. Boom, bom boom, boom. In League Two, it's the best of the lot, I think. I think it's the best of the lot. Let's talk about good week for Exeter City. They took a huge step towards automatic promotion in beating Newport at Newport 1-0. They're actually putting a little bit of pressure on Forest Green Rovers, Exeter City, aren't they? Certainly, at the very least, at the top of the big chunk of teams and looking good quite
1: stressful for those of us who uh, have <laughs> anti-post for us green tickets mm, uh, that I can we, think of one or two that we were counting that camp fairly regularly well i say anti-post I mean it, it was for those who listen to the betting show and are wondering why we hadn't picked it up it was in the season early post It was yeah it was kind of September time for Exeter uh, this is probably the biggest marker I guess where they go to a Newport side who I think everyone who follows League 2 would have as one of the best teams in the division under James Robery and were able to to beat them um, a, a, a DN goal who's been such a, a constant source for them of, of important goals for Extra over the course of the season and if th- the biggest compliment I can pay Exeter is they seem to be a side who can basically win it doing it anyway um, you know we see them often in high scoring games where they have come out on top we often see them in these kind of games where it's very tight and they're able to to protect their leads and uh, and score the all important goal um, you know if we're going to promote Forest Green which I think we can basically do off the back of their points tally rather than their performances at the moment as we'll talk about in a second I think Exeter now look you know very very close to being in the same position uh Sam Stubbs a player who's getting rave reviews from Exeter fans at the moment mm. you know he scored a couple of goals against Stevenage but again very very strong here they seem to think they've
0: unearthed a uh, an absolute gem the perils are doing a post tag dupod. pod I uh, forgot to mention that Lincoln City won 2-1 at the Valley and Anthony Scully scored a beautiful beautiful do you want to do the jingle again Boom, 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 boom. Sorry, Imps fans. Uh, Great win, great goal from Scully. Enjoyed it a lot. Uh, But we're back in League Two and a really good week for Mansfield because like Exeter, they didn't just pick up three points. They also took points off another team in The Chunk, TM. Uh, Stag's new club record, 11 consecutive home league victories. It wasn't just us enjoying a good Stag weekend this weekend, George. 1-0 One 0 against Cobblers. Yeah, for, for Northampton, um, it was
1: an, another case of them basically struggling after going behind to create anything of meaning. You know, they went behind after 21 minutes. Uh, Ollie Hawkins with the important goal. Northampton only had eight shots in the game. It was Mansfield who looked more likely to get to get the second goal um, to, to you know to, to make the point safe. Um, Mansfield still playing catch up in terms of, of, of the games they have to play, um, and it's going to probably tell in their performances at some stage. But at the moment, they does not like happening at all they've won three of their last four drawing the other one um they go to forest green tomorrow night in what is a a massive game for those of us with tickets from september in terms of who's going to win the league because two mansfield versus forest green
0: games coming up yeah one 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 on
1: final day um so yeah this is a big game because if mansfield can can beat forest green then they really do put themselves in the driving seat not only to get that third place spot but it, it then becomes in my view a pretty clear three with um, with Port Vale I suppose being the ones who, who
0: are chasing them down and they're in Northampton town in fourth place on 66 points with Port Vale Bristol Rovers and Mansfield and probably feeling quite vulnerable because they've lost four of their last eight in League 2 at a time when most of the teams we're talking about as challenging for a playoff spot for automatic promotion uh, have only lost one or two max in, in that time so John Brady's going to have to find something from somewhere uh, to give Northampton a little shot in the arm. <clears throat> don't know why I sound so emotional about it. <laughs> uh, Port vale, anything but. George, they're, they're smashing it at the moment. They went to Barrow. It wasn't the prettiest, but they left with uh, all three points again. A, a late winning goal. Uh, I really enjoyed Barrow's goal for what I consider to be one of my most beautiful assists of the season from Romeo Hutton. Um, and i'm trying to think if i had any other notes on that game i don't think i do so let's move on forest green one scunthorpe nil top v bottom i think we mentioned on the betting show it's probably the shortest odds i've ever seen a league 2 team to be for a league game uh, about 1.22 they were with the betfair sportsbook and they won 1-0 uh, scunny had a couple of attempts hayden hackney was trying his best from range uh, but forest green turned the screw second half Piled on the pressure, got the goal as well. Uh, Dan Sweeney scoring from a set play. Scunthorpe can be relegated next week. Uh, that would require both Oldham and Barrow to win. Um, so might not be next time out, but it, it could be pretty soon. Uh, and their news last week was that chairman Peter Swan has stepped down, stepped aside. Uh, I think he seems to be aware, and maybe it's taken a bit longer than would have been ideal, but he seems to be aware that it's him or rather his decision-making that's being held up as the number one reason why this club, Scunthorpe United, are going to be dropping into non-league. And I suppose, given how hard we know it is to bounce straight back up, or to bounce back up at all in many cases, if one of the key ways to kind of catalyze a turnaround in League Two relegation is to improve your vibes, I think this is probably the, the first step to doing that. So a lot of work still to do. Keith Hill looks like he's going to stay on. Uh certainly Peter Swan's been backing him. So I don't know whether Swan stepping down will, will make Hill's position uh, more vulnerable. But uh, I mean, in their current form, their current performance level, the current squad and the current vibes, it's very, very difficult to, to predict anything hugely positive right now, um, despite the fact that they were competitive in the first half here. Um, the big game down the bottom, and we'll get back to the, the playoff push in just a moment, was Stevenage against Oldham. George Stevenage racked up 2.47 expected goals here, but they lost by one actual goal by Jamie Hopcut to nil. This was a, a monster game, and uh, it really changes the picture down towards the bottom. I think I'm right in saying that, in probability terms, we went from Oldham having a higher probability of relegation, and this result now means Stevenage are the ones.
1: And the you know the the manner of it is is also crucial. You know, you mentioned there. Um, that stevenage created a lot and and i think that will give them some heart i guess i mean you look at the odds now with the betfair sportsbook stevenage rods on at 10 to 11 old or even money so it is incredibly tight and it's pretty much a match with barrow at 130 so you know it's a, it's a three horse race really but with two at the top of the market who, who effectively just have level chances although stevenage um that just about the more likely uh, to go down but if anything, I think this makes it even more tantalising. The fact that under Steve Evans we're seeing some improvement from Stevenage in terms of the performances. Uh, the fact they had you know 15 shots here, but you'd expect that to happen because the away team here, at Oldham, went went ahead after 16 minutes, and as was the case in what I you know the, the game earlier, there are massive similarities in, in between this game and the, the Barnsley Reading game. Um, and as was the case there, Oldham looking to do everything they could to, to try and protect their lead rather than looking to score a second goal. The only difference is that Reading scored uh, the goal that they probably deserved and Stevenage didn't. Uh, and that causes um, you know a big mix-up, especially because of Oldham's recent form had been so poor, but a couple of really good wins now. It's difficult for them that they go to uh, Oldham, so they go to Oldham, go to Port Vale on Saturday, um, which is going to be very difficult for them. Whereas Stevenage um, travelled to Colchester, which is probably a, an easier assignment. So yes, at the moment, Stevenage favourites go down. But off the back of what I saw
0: on the weekend, I would maybe have it the other way around in my head. Interesting. Okay. Well, Cole you stiff opposition for Stevenage because they, well, they're finishing the season in probably their best nick of the whole campaign. Uh, they had a 2-1 win against Harrogate. Now, we've called Harrogate the beachiest team in League 2. I'm seeing nothing to suggest that that is... Anything other than truth, um, but you still have to do the job, and Cole U did. Uh, Freddie Sears scoring, nice assist from Noah Chilvers, uh, and then Chilvers got on the score sheet from a Freddie Sears assist. So those are two players who, uh, in what's been a difficult season for Colchester, have stepped up when they needed to. Uh, Sears and Chilvers um, picking up all three points for Cole U. Elsewhere, we had uh, Leighton Orient going well with a two nil win against uh, Walsall. Things going well, aren't they? Under uh, Richie Wellens, we touched on. Rule Sotiriu last week this game is more about Otis Khan against a team that he was playing for earlier on this season who gave him a chance on a short term contract only for him to leave for Orient a few months later a goal and assist not ideal back towards the top of the division good week for George Bristol Rovers and Salford City and I'm clubbing them together because both sides scored absolute howitzers Sam Finlay for Bristol Rovers Jason Lowe for Salford City oh, I didn't think after I saw Finley's goal, I'd see a better goal, but the the angle for Lowe's yeah, was perfect, the thing. camera angle, mm. and Finley's did make you think could the goalkeeper have got a little closer to it, whereas Lowe's was just perfection, so maybe I'll lean towards Lowe, yeah, wow, didn't expect that to be my answer. Yeah, yeah. um These are two teams who, having basically underwhelmed for the for the first what two thirds of the season, are now coming on pretty hot. Bristol Rovers and Salford City, how do you weigh up their chances of uh, punching their way into top seven, top three? I mean, Bristol Rovers are already there in the top seven. I
1: I think pretty strong. Um, It feels like they are way more reliable in terms of picking up points at the moment than the likes of of Northampton, Tranmere. Um, Salford have have been an unbelievable form, four wins on the bounce now, Um, and... Yeah, it's a case with Salford where if they do get in, they're going to be very hard to beat because of the kind of form they'll be in going into it. Um, and, you know, they're now level on points with the type of the likes of Swindon and Sutton, who we've seen drop down the table. Unbelievable that Sutton are 11th. Um, I feel, you know, for them and Swindon, who both, you know, it hasn't really been as if they've suddenly gone on massive slumps, but it just goes to show how quickly things can turn. And, and you know, if certainly the likes of, um, you know, Tranmere who are winless now in three, um, Northampton, who've lost three of their last five, if they don't improve those kind of records then they're going to be the next ones to be usurped by the likes of of Salford, uh, Mansfield as well Um, even Newport who are on their own little mini-sump at the moment but we know are good enough so yeah, I I mean every week seems to be a good week to be a Bristol Rovers or a Salford fan at the moment there doesn't seem any reason to me at the moment why they would uh, get markedly worse the only thing is, is, as is always the case when teams go on long winning runs there's normally a defeat around the corner as Bristol Rovers found out Um, just a couple of games ago when they they went and and lost to
0: Carlisle 1-0 off the back of their own winning run. And because of the high stakes at the moment, a draw, which early in the season never feels like the end of the world, can really, really hurt the positive vibes at a club. And that's what happened to Swindon Town and Tramier Rovers this weekend. Swindon drew at Rochdale, a nil-all draw at Spotland uh, in which they had the better chances, uh, in which Lynch in the Rochdale goal was probably man of the match. Uh, a point away from home. You know, there's there's always an argument that if you, if you win your home games, you draw your away games, you end up with two points per game. So I always think point away from home, not one to criticise. Uh, but of course, when everyone else is picking up points, seemingly at a, at a very high rate, uh, it does hurt you if you're a Swindon town fan at the moment. They're in 10th position now. Uh, and as you say, Salford have gone above them, uh, which would have seemed crazy a month or so ago. And, and they've got a better goal difference as well, just about. Uh, and then Tranmere. Maybe even more damaging, George, because they had two men sent off in their game uh, at home to Carlisle. And they went ahead with 10 men after 76 minutes. Elliot Nevitt, streaking clear to finish, but they couldn't hold on after Kieran Morris was sent off for one of the highest of high boots uh, just at the start of injury time. And then it was, well, it was the Jordan Gibson vehicle, wasn't it? Letting fly from 30 yards off the inside of the post, keeper, full stretch, on the ground, Headed home by Toby Show Silver, the the uh, the Simpsons story at Carlisle continues, but Tranmere fans not happy at the moment. You can kind of understand why. Yeah, you can. I mean, they
1: weren't happy on the on the day with the with the officials. I'm not sure there was too much wrong with the decisions made, but I think whenever you've been involved in a a game which sees two men sent off and conceding a 97th minute equaliser, I think we can understand the frustration coming from um, from Tranmere fans. But you know, it does feel. A little bit, um, Mickey Madden paying for having such an incredible run, if that makes sense. I think you and I were always pretty confident that, that Tramway were never as good as the run was, especially defensively, where they had that ridiculous defensive record, even though the underlying data suggested they, they weren't do, having the kind of defensive numbers that we've seen, for example, Ipswich have during a, a similar run. Um, but when you, you know, when when you've been in the playoff picture and your fan base are looking collectively towards the top three, and then you are suddenly in danger of dropping out of the top three altogether, and you are conceding late goals and other bits, it is very hard to not point the finger at somebody. Um, so they're not particularly happy, and they, they do look, you know, we talk about the teams who are who are chasing uh, these playoff places down, and, and they do look like one
0: of the vulnerable ones. Lovely. Well, I think that concludes our wrap of the EFL weekend. Uh, what some of the results mean, uh, hopefully. Hopefully you'll go easy on us this week. Perhaps it's not our most in-depth analysis, but on the flip side, a few laughs, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Because <laughs> after all, that's what we're all here for, aren't we? I enjoyed my stag do. I've enjoyed chatting EFL with George Ellick. Massive thank you to Betfair for their continued support of this podcast. We'll be back again in the second half of this week with a betting show. we got fixtures in midweek as well. It's all happening we're enjoying the ride. We hope that you are too. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast, podcast feed. Follow us on Twitter. I'm going for a lie down.